Revelation chapter 20, and we will read verses 11 through 15 of this chapter. If you're familiar with this chapter, you realize immediately that the thing we're reading about, the event, in Revelation 20, 11 through 15 is called the Great White Throne Judgment. Revelation 20, reading at verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's a lot in there to speak on. We won't even attempt to speak on all of it. But last week we spoke to you from John 10 about the good shepherd and the sheep. And we mentioned in that how that it is very explicit in that the good shepherd knows and calls his sheep by name. And we tried to stress that to you in that message about the personal relationship between each sheep and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what salvation is all about. It's not about did Christ die for others. The question is, did he die for you? It's very singular. And it's very personal. And it's very intimate. And that is designated, as we said last week, in that he calls each and every one by name. And I'll even make another detail quickly here that we emphasize to you. We emphasize this from both the Old and the New Testament, the calling of the young child Samuel when the Lord spoke to him as a, as a child, and he called his name, literally. And I remember how that spoke to my heart when I was a young boy, and the impression it made upon me that God spoke to that little boy and called him by his name, you know? And I, I can't explain, and I don't know. But God in some way used that and impressed that upon me to eventually bring me to himself. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we have the outstanding Damascus Road experience where Jesus appeared unto Saul of Tarsus and again specifically called him by name. And again, these are individuals who were unknown to God but known to the Savior Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So the direction I want to take you today from this passage of Scripture is about names and what's in a name. What is the meaning of a name? What is the importance of a name? Even your name. Because the Bible makes it very clear here that I'll say it in this manner. In this passage we have read and within the context... Everybody's name is going to show up somewhere. Somewhere. Now, what's in a name? A lot of people put a lot of emphasis on a name. Other people just disregard it. Call me anything you want to. It don't matter. 
Some people get so carried away, and we live in a day now where genealogy is a big deal. It used to be seem like pretty much reserved to the fanaticism of Mormonism, but today it is really caught on due to technology and how you can research genealogy. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not a sin to do that. Just be careful you don't get carried away with it because Paul admonished Timothy not to get caught up in fables, rumors, superstitions, and endless genealogies. In fact, I would say this. It's nothing new. Don't be so concerned about where you come from as you should be about where you're going. And what we have read today is going to describe where everybody is going. And there's only two destinations as we obviously stand upon the Bible and the truth of its word. Your name is either going to be in a book or it's going to be in the books. But before we get into that again, what is in a name? Well, a name is one thing, and it's meant for one thing, and that's identity, isn't it? Identity. And that's what I want you to think about here as we apply it to this text. Now, identity among people may or may not be important to you. Some people love their names that their parents give them. Other people hate them. Some people change them. Again, some people emphasize the last or family name and take great pride in that. I've known people that do that. I've known people that do that in my own family. I think it's futility to take pride in your ancestry. You know, I mean, the Jews did this regardless of what their Hebrew or names may have been specifically, they were carried away with it in the fact that their names were part of the seed of Abraham, you know, and Jesus condemned that. He condemned that. So a name is a good thing. The Bible says that, uh, I think it's in the book of Proverbs, that a good name is, you know, like, like good ointment or something. And that means a reputable name. You know, some family names or ancestries have associations of criminal behavior or activity or what have you. Others of honesty and virtue. So it means a good name in that regard. If it's good virtue, that's a good thing. But don't go around strutting like a rooster because of it, you know. But when we come to spiritually and talking about our names or to the Bible, it's pretty exciting. In fact... It's exciting to me to know that as a child of God, my name was known to God from eternity past. Because that's what the Bible says. And we'll show that to you a little later on. Before anybody knew your name or knew you even would be, God knew. God knew. And we can go to numerous examples in the Bible to show how God instrumentally made sure some people were named by their name, weren't they? I mean, Josiah, the Old Testament pops to my mind. John the Baptist, particularly who we referenced a little bit last week, you know, the revelation of what his name would be, that his name would not be within the family normal naming process, but he would be given a name outside of the family cultural process. And of course, that name was very special, wasn't it? John the Baptist and... Zechariah got his speech back when he named his son in that regard. But if you're a child of God today, 
You have a name. God has known that name. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. It's always been there. It can't go anywhere. And when this event takes place that we've read about, as the song says, your name will be there on the page white and fair. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and His blood has washed away your sins. So that's a great lyric. We sang a song, the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I don't believe there's necessarily going to have to be a roll because the Lord already knows who's going to be there and knows they're all going to be there. But we sing that in a human terms in that regard. But I'm kind of excited about something that's said in the book of Revelation 2 and 17 to the church of Pergamos. And I'll just throw this out there to you and let you digest it later. But to the church at Pergamos in verse 17, his conclusion in that letter, the last part says, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saveth he that receiveth it. So it appears from that that we may get some new names when we get to heaven. That'll be fine too. Long as we're there, right? We could be called anything. But again, kind of exciting to think about that. Something else that's very exciting here in the book of Revelation when it comes to names is, is that in 22 and 4 of Revelation, it says here about we, His servants, who will live with God throughout all eternity and shall serve Him and worship Him and glorify Him. And in verse 4, they shall see His face and His name shall be in their foreheads. That's kind of exciting too, isn't it? His name is in your heart now. In glorification, it'll be on your forehead. Not so you won't get lost or not so other people will know you, but everything that's going to be done in heaven is going to be to glorify the Savior. And again, we brand animals down here, don't we, for various reasons. That's not why we're going to wear His name in our foreheads up there. It is a name we would be proud to wear. Again, people are proud of their names here, but there's no name like bearing that name. It is a name above all names, is it not? And we rejoice in the angel revelation to Mary, Matthew, and that statement, His name shall be called Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. And that's why we're proud to bear His name on earth and why we would be proud to have that name in whatever way it's written on our foreheads in heaven. Also, the Bible says quickly in the 19th chapter of Revelation that when Jesus comes with His saints on that white horse to judge His saints... In verse 13, he was clothed with a vesture. Well, verse 12, it says his eyes were a flame of fire on his head, many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. That's interesting, isn't it? In the Bible, Christ prophetically and literally goes by many names. All kinds. In fact, that's interesting study. We've preached on that before. The various names and representatives of Christ. So there'll be a name that nobody knows but he himself. Verse 13, in his name is called the Word of God. And then down in verse 16, on his vesture and on his thigh, a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So again, just a little bit of information there to show you the importance of names and how they should not be emphasized in the human realm, 
but is worthy to be emphasized when it comes to the spiritual realm. Finally, let me give you this, and we'll launch into the text. In Acts 4 and 12, the Bible makes clear, verses 10 through 12, there, that Christ being that stone which the builders rejected, yet became the head of the corner, bears the only name under heaven, whereby and among men that we can be saved. So names are important, and the name of Jesus is most important. And while we bear that name with dignity and exaltation, and we extol that name today as Savior, what an exciting time to think about one day we will wear His name in our foreheads throughout all eternity. But what's in your name? What is the importance of your name in the text? Well, this is a judgment. Very obviously there. And again, there is, it says, the books and there is the book. Okay? It says in verse 12 there, very clear, the books were opened and another book was opened. So we have plural quantity of books and then we have a book. And that book is identified as the book of life, singular, in verse 15. Well, obviously, first thing we'd note here very clearly in elementary is these are God's books. <laughs> these are not man's books. These are God's books. This is God's library. And nobody's allowed in there to mess with these books. Whatever's in these books, God and God alone has put there. Okay? No human access to these books. And that is his sovereign right, is it not? As God to do as he pleases. So these are his books. The things that are written in here is not like some men or women writing their own autobiography. You have God's autobiography of what he wants us to know in your lap right now. That's called the Bible, the Holy Bible. So this is not God's autobiography, it's more of what we would think of in human terms of God's ledger. God's ledger. The books would be more ledgers. The book would be more of a solemn and holy record of names. Not everybody's name is in either of these books. The Bible says in verse 15, whosoever was not found written in the book of life. Okay? So that tells us that not everybody's name is in the book of life. And it tells us that from the other books, verse 13, they were judged, everybody, according to what their works and that which was written in the books. Plural, verse 12 also. Right? So, very clearly there we see that your name's not going to show up in both places. It's going to be in the book, or it's going to be in books. Well, what's the difference? What's the difference in the books and the book? Well, again, if you know a little bit about the Bible, you know, and if you don't know, just listen to what I'm saying because it's right here in plain English. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Very plain. Now in life, 
just by way of illustration, I would remind you, our names show up in all kinds of places, don't we? Some places we're proud to have them, and other places our name may show up, would we be ashamed of? If You know, if you get arrested and your name shows up in the name, newspaper, you ought to be ashamed, you know, or if some crime or some evil or some public sin or something. I mean, you know, but God only knows where all our name has showed up. But the bottom line, that really is all secondary to what we're talking about. We want to get right to the point that in this great white throne judgment, you're not going to stand up, people are not going to stand up and tell God about all the wonderful places their names were recorded on numerous memorials and all that they accomplished and all that. There's going to be one question. Is your name in the book? Or is it in the books in that regard? So, let's discuss this. What's the difference here? And it's, it's very easy. Again, I referred to the books as like a ledger. And the book of life is just like that. Life meaning eternal life. Not in the book of life meaning eternal punishment in the lake of fire. Verse 12, the latter part says, the men that go into, the men, women, boys, girls, whoever they are that are lost, will be judged out of the things that are written in the books according to their works. And since their name's not the Lamb's book of life, will be cast into the lake of fire. So the books is the ledger part. And a ledger, you know, shows money put in, money taken out by most accountants. And this is old style, of course. But it has somebody names, and if there's a debt there, it's in the ledger, isn't it? If that debt's been paid, it's... This is old-style accounting. I realize young people here may not comprehend this, but that's the way it used to work. I mean, I grew up in a time when my mother and daddy had credit at the grocery store. We had credit in a lot of places. Hard times, you know. And, I mean, literally it was in one, one of those little old... Some of y'all may not even remember. A little old pad about that big that had a little the little blue copy paper you put behind it, and the man would scribble on there... You know, and he had all them in a little old drawer about that big in a little old grocery store we went to. Mother and daddy's debt was there. And he'd look up their name, see what they owe, or when they made payment, they put it there. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Because the names of sinners whose sins have been unremitted, this is their works that they're indebted to God for. Very plain. Judged according to their works out of their books. Now this ought to scare every one of us to death, even we who are saved. Because the bottom line is, while humans make mistakes in records, God doesn't make mistakes. If your name shows up in these books and not in the book of life, God has a record, comprehensive record, of every sin you've ever committed. That, again, should cause us as believers to fear and tremble. The psalmist asked the question, how many are my sins? And that's a rhetorical question, I believe, because who wants to know? But it is a convicting question. James said, if you've sinned once, you might as well be guilty of a trillion. Because you're condemned. One sin will condemn you as well as ten, a hundred, or a trillion. That's how holy God is. That's how He looks upon sin with displeasure. 
And again, how fearful, I have said over the years in preaching, trying to emphasize this point, how fearful and terrible it will be to stand before God at this judgment and the books be open to the page where your name is and there is every sin you've ever committed and there you are with your sin standing before God to be judged. I, I can't fathom that. What can you say? No wonder the Bible says every mouth will be stopped. There it is on the page. Well, I don't remember that one or that No, but God does. We don't remember most of our sin until God saves us and convicts us. And then we have the Holy Spirit to remind us when we do sin, thank God, that we can repent of. But who in the world can imagine all the sins you have committed? We can. But God can. And no doubt that's what's in these books because it says according to their works. And let me remind you, don't think that there's going to be by your name a good category. You know, here's the good stuff, here's the bad stuff, and at the balance there's going to be a balance sheet to see if the good outweighs the bad. God, don't keep books like that. In fact, on if there was such a thing as that, there would be nothing in the column of your name that showed good. Because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 and 20, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Let, let me tell you what all the good deeds of the unbelieving are called in the Bible. They're works indeed, but they're called dead works. Dead works. They're not worth anything. Because they were done with a wrong motive in that regard. So, these books will reveal everything about whose ever name appears in there. And the judge accordingly obviously is speaking of what kind of damnation there will be because certainly there are degrees of punishment because Jesus himself said some of the Pharisees would receive a greater damnation. So there is evidence that that is exactly what will happen. Now remember again, there are no mistakes in this book or these books because God is the only one who has access to them and He is immutable. You may have heard it said, it may sound cute, but it's not funny at all. God has no eraser and indeed He doesn't. Some people's teaching here on this earth would have God to wear out erasers, putting people's names down and taking them out. They believe you can save, be saved and lost and saved and lost and you know, it reminded me of some of my second grade material. I, I used eraser more than the other end of the pencil. And sometimes I got bad grades because the paper was so smudged up from erasing and writing and erasing and writing. It was a mess. God don't keep books like that. Whenever the songwriter put it down on the page, white and clear, that's just exactly how pure and how holy and how correct and how accurate that it is. God's records believe me, have no errors in them. And it's sad that some people think that uh, God writes a new name down when some, be, some people are saved. No such thing. There's even a song about that. That's not biblical. The Bible says, if you want to turn back very quickly and look with me, we'll just clear this up right now while I brought it up. 13 and 8 of Revelation says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It's a synonymous thought when you put it together that Jesus was not slain from the foundation of the world, but the purpose for Him to be slain was from the foundation of the world.
world. And the names written in the Lamb's Book of Life were written there from the foundation of the world. Both of them included together and synonymously in the plan of redemption. If you have doubt about what I just said there in that in that verse, turn over to 17 and 8 and you'll see that what I said was indeed true. 17 and 8 of Revelation, the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. So, it is very clear that these names were written from the foundation of the world just like we were elected in Christ from the foundation of the world in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. So, in the book or in the books? The books are the record of sinners' sin debt that is owed. And in the other book is the book of life. Those who have been freed from that debt of sin. I'm not going to stand here and tell you our names were in the other book and then they were, all of it was taken out and what have you. I don't know about none of that. The Bible don't say. I can only say that everybody whose name is found in the Lamb's book of life, there is nothing to accuse them in any of God's other books because our sins have been totally washed away by the blood of Christ as if they never existed. And I will illustrate that point by this just for human understanding, all right? Let's go back to the old ledger and suppose your name was there and there was the debt for your sin, you know. And then if Christ did pay it, then you would look to your name in the file and there is your debt and then you might have the big stamp, you know, paid in full, you know. That, that relates to our minds and we understand that and accept that. Well, that appears in a book or not, I... That's foreign, but that's exactly what happened. I said as if they never existed. The Bible says that God will remember them no more. Now, again, as if they never was. God can't forget anything in that regard, but our sins are as they never existed. If God doesn't remember them, I can assure you nobody else is going to when it comes to this judgment. The Bible says it's as if they've been cast behind God's back. I don't know where that is. That, again, is a non-existent hypothetical figure of expression because God is omnipresent. And, again, using human language, it says they've been cast into the depth of the sea. There's depths of the sea we haven't plumbed yet, probably. That's so dark and black and deep and foreign. Nobody knows how far it is and what's down there. Who knows? But that's what the Bible says about the taking away of our sins. And our sins must have been taken away by Christ if our name appears in the Lamb's book of life. So, two books, or rather one, two group, two categories. Books and book. And this judgment, this great white throne judgment is to see and reveal, not to see. It will be a seeing to those present. There's no revelation here to God. God knows what's in the books, always has, always will. But it will be a revealing to all 
of where they stand with God, why they stand where they are, and the evidence will be so overwhelming, it will be unbelievable. Judged out of those books. It is a judgment that we see here. So the important thing is, where is your name going to appear? Now, I said that the names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world. And I gave you scripture for that, and I could give you more, but I'm not going to take the time to do so that points to that. I will mention one from Jesus' own words, and that illustration, because it's very precious. It's precious to us who believe, and I pray it will be convicting to those that hear me that are not believers. When the twelve disciples came back after Jesus had sent them out in Matthew 10, they came back rejoicing that even the devils were subject unto them, that Christ had given them power over demons to cast them out of people. And Jesus kind of corrected their priorities and their joy in rejoicing there and kind of said, well, that's a well and good thing. But don't just rejoice in that, which is more earthly and human, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So what I'm saying to you today is, if you're confident that Christ has died for you and taken away your sins, what I'm saying today will not scare you or cause you to be fearful about where your name's going to show up. You can know and do know if you're truly saved today that your name will not come up in the books but has been in the book from the foundation of the world. And that is the only way you can know where your name is. Is if you have believed upon Christ to take away your sins by His death and shedding His blood for you. You. Your sins. This is what it all comes down to. Again, have you ever had somebody charge you for what somebody else did? It happens all the time, doesn't it? I mean, we recently had a credit card deal, you know. Somebody got a hold of that number and charged stuff. We didn't do it, but somebody did. Somebody charged it. It was a debt we didn't know. Thank goodness we didn't have to pay it. They've got stuff in, in order for these things. You know that. But when it comes down to this judgment, nobody will have anybody else's sin laid to their account. It's all going to be yours if your name is in the books. And the only way to know your name is not in the books is to know your name is in the book. And you only know that, again, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way to know. In fact, that's the proof. In fact, that's the validation of who's in these books, is that all who believe, Christ has given eternal life. So they're going to be in the Lamb's book of life. Now, let me also say that the names in the Lamb's book of life that have been put there or the names in the other book has not kept people from being in one book or the other book. By that I mean it doesn't keep people from coming to Christ or people from being saved. No, in fact, the message of the Bible and the gospel is come and believe and know. You can know. 
Many times this is the common criticism of election. You know, well, if God's already chosen, then there's nothing else for me to do. Well, that's a pretty fatalistic attitude if you ask me because the Bible tells you what to do. It tells you you're a sinner. It tells you you need to repent and that if you don't repent, God will judge you in this judgment and cast you into the lake of fire and that today is the day to do something about that. You say, well, what if my name's not already there? Well, if you believe it is there. Don't be foolish. The Bible doesn't take up that argument or that hypothesis. What am I trying to say here? Uh, When it's make-believe and not real. (laughs) I'm stuck on hypothetical. Yeah, okay. I got stuck on hypothesis, and that's a mathematical term there. But this is the way to know. Because those whose names... In fact, let me say something else right here. Make it very clear. If it were not for God's love, mercy, and elective grace, there wouldn't be a Lamb's Book of Life. We'd all be in the books. And that's where we all deserve to be. Is to be judged according to our works. We'd all perish... We'd all be condemned. We'd all end up in the lake of fire, and justly so, because we've all, everyone, sinned against a just and holy God. But God in His mercy has made it possible for some of the human race to have eternal life. And the way you have eternal life, according to John 3.36, is by believing upon the Son of God, and He'll give you the gift of eternal life. My point is being that when if you show up and you're judged out of the books and God cast you in the lake of fire, nobody will be able to point a finger in God and say, you didn't put my name in the book. No. You know what God will say? I said, come, and you didn't come. I said, repent. You didn't repent. I stretched out my hands all day unto you, calling you, calling you. And what did you do? You did not come. You would not come to me, as James, as Christ said in John 5, 40. You will not come to me that you might have life. Now imagine this. I don't know what all's in these books, except I know sin's there, because sin's going to condemn people to the lake of fire. That's obvious. What if your missed opportunities were also recorded? Just like this day. I don't know where this video will go. I don't know where this audio will go. I don't know everybody that's in this building now. I don't know the state of everybody's heart. But what if this goes down in God's book? That somebody that's hearing me today, that's lost, refused to believe what I say and God put it in the book and it may come up on 9-11-2022. You, you heard this preacher from this place, either in present or over the airways, and you would not come. It's not God's fault you'll go to hell. It's every man's fault that they go to hell. Well, what can I do? That's very simple. We hope people will come to that conviction by the things we've said today. That's exactly our intent. Where is your name? How can you know? 
May I read you a scripture? 1 John chapter 5. It's back just a few pages from Revelation. Can a person really know? Absolutely. 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Nobody in this life gets a sneak peek to see if their name is in the book. But you can know it's there by believing on Jesus Christ and seeking forgiveness of your sins in Him. Paul said, I know in whom I believe, have believed. And I am confident that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him until that day. And may I give you the testimony of those of us who do believe. And it's not bragging, it's not boasting, it's just fact. But there is a peace that passes understanding and knowing that your name is in that book. Proof being, you have come to Christ and asked Him for forgiveness. That's the proof your name is in that book. And I and others in this building today and others worldwide that are the children of God have that peace that John just talked about here. I'm not afraid for me of what's in the books. But I am confident of my name being in the book. Because that's all God's work of grace. And it can be yours. We go back to that song my name's written there on the page white and fair. If our name is in the book, God put it there to Him be the glory and it's there out of grace. It's not about being good and getting your name taken out of that book and put in this book like a teacher in a Sunday school or a teacher in a school where you're either on the bad list or the good list. No, no. God don't play those games. But when God saves somebody, it's permanent. And it manifests they were in the book from the beginning. I told you last week, read to you from John 17 or referenced that. Other sheep I have, are in John 10, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I must bring also. Christ will bring everyone whose names are in that book. I mean, you talk about mathematical accuracy. It's going to be a multitude nobody can number, but none is going to be lost, and there's not going to be one over. It's the most perfect bookkeeping there ever has been and ever will be because God did it. And God has capabilities and holiness and immutability that men don't have. It's a humbling thing to think of what we've read and of what's in these books. I pray that God the Holy Spirit would apply it to your heart today as necessary and according to your need.